There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Tim McKernan, alongside videographer Nick Yale and executive producer John Seymour. Welcome into another edition of the program. Hey, and if you're missing anything, please subscribe wherever you may podcast. According to our data, about 85% of the listeners uh, listen on iTunes. So just do so. Click subscribe, click download, and you're listening and you're enjoying our content anytime you want. That's the magic of podcasting. Man, we have had some great interviews on this show, and that's because our guests have been so good, and that's a tip of the cap to our producer, John Seymour, for all his work for making it possible. And we hope you continue to enjoy them, and I think you're going to enjoy this one as well. Keith Kachuk, the blues forward and legend, uh, is a guy who has been coming on the Ryan Kelly morning after the radio show for years um, and always just kind of had a grab ass relationship uh, with him. And by that, I mean, we don't really talk real seriously. It's just not his personality. And if the guest is interested in screwing around, I'm certainly more than happy to screw around as well. So uh, that's what you get when uh, Walter uh, and I have a conversation. And I think that's what you're going to get right here uh, as we uh, discuss not only his career, but something that I think he's enjoying maybe even more than his own career is watching the success of his kids in their careers. And uh, in particular, the way things have changed for Kachuk since he was playing with the Blues, which, you know, I mean, relatively speaking, wasn't that long ago. Uh, His final season was 2010. And he's already got a kid playing in Calgary in his second year. Uh, So there wasn't that large of a gap. I mean, I'm not talking about a Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. thing here, but it wasn't that big of a gap. And how uh, Walt is experiencing that the NHL is a lot different for his son uh, as opposed to his time in Winnipeg, St. Louis, Atlanta, back to St. Louis. So that coming up, plus uh, standout moments from his time with the Blues— and uh, his rise to NHL prominence. Also talk about the 2004 World Series where uh, the lifelong Boston Red Sox fan came to uh, Bush Stadium wearing a Boston Red Sox cap and how that didn't particularly play well with some members of the St. Louis fan base and uh, how Walter is spending his time now, plus his uh, passion for not just the game but also the local uh, success that we've seen in the growth of youth hockey in St. Louis. It's all coming up on this edition of the Tim McKernan Show with Keith Walt Kachuk in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly is the Home Loan Expert online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. Home values continue to rise. A strong purchase season means there are a lot of good comps 
for an appraiser to use. Maybe you took out a loan a year ago that required PMI, and it's very possible that you now have the equity to get rid of that PMI and lower your payment. Or maybe you can drop the PMI and cut your term to a 15 or 20 year, keeping your payment the same. A lot of people think they have a perfect mortgage, but with interest rates as low as they are, there are always options. Check them out online. Entering your numbers at thehomeloanexpert.com. You're supporting the sponsors, but you're also saving money. TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Gateway Buick GMC, Triad Bank, and James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. All of the sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network, where week in, week out, we like to think we bring you a guest of interest, and that is no different this week as we sit down with blues legend Keith Kachuk. Hey, Walter. Dirtbag. <laughs> it's great to have you in here. Good to be here, buddy. So the last time I saw you, you were trailing me on the golf course and not real happy with the pace of play. And we played in like three and a half hours. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I go there to play and this is two and a half hours. Tea. Yeah, when you guys were slow. Some were wearing pants on probably one of the hottest days of the year. Pants shave stri- which, uh, six strokes off your game. Well, no, it doesn't. You just look like a clown and you sweat <laughs> and then you start walking slow. So, yeah, I wasn't and we too were happy about that. the black tees, too. Well, that's your own fault. You shouldn't be playing the black tees. If you guys don't play there much, you shouldn't. I know it's a short course, but you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it's a very short course. It is. So Marcus Allen's in my group, and he's like, who's the guy? I said, well, that's a hot, you're a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Well, I should introduce you guys. Well, but he's got, well, there's, I was hey, there's the guy in the fifth fairway. Hey, dirtbag, <laughs> stop with the practice swings. <laughs> Well, we, we, we put a limit on practice swings. So. Yeah, I was going to go up there and tackle Marcus Allen once I found out who it was. <laughs> so you, but I hear tell you like to play in about two hours and 15. You play 18 holes in two yeah. hours and 15 minutes. You would die if you had to play with Jason Day. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I, I'm more of a, I like going out there and playing. That's why I'm one of the first guys off all the time when I do start playing again. But don't you use it to relax and to get out? But so Yeah, you but it's, I don't want to be out there. I mean, I love golf, but I don't want to be out there for five hours. I, I just hate when people are slow. They're just, just, it's just, just play. You're not pros. Play. I'm not saying you got to run up and hit your ball quick. But just have a pace. Don't waste time but on stupid stuff. But if the guy's wearing stuff. pants, you know he means business. No, maybe he just has really small chicken legs or something. I don't know. <laughs> what are you? You're an eight. You're an eight or nine, I think you told yeah, me. Yeah, I don't know what I am now. I haven't played since probably I saw you. Really? Yeah, yeah right. I don't even hit balls. I'll wait when the weather gets a little bit nicer. I'll start easing my way into it. Because once I do it, I, won't, I can't stop. It's like a disease. You get into you know, it. Well, actually, when that, you're yeah. a successful athlete, yeah, you're competitive, and then you're used to dominating your sport, and then you get out there, and you're kind of yeah. middle of the pack well, with some I, jackass like yeah. me. I like playing. I'm not, I don't take it serious. I just love playing. I like going out there, and if you play, play well, you play well. What no. bothers you more? You miss a five-foot putter. You got a guy in front of you in pants playing and using only two practice swings. I would, the, the guy in front of me who is very slow, wearing pants and taking eight practice swings, unacceptable. That's, that's inaccurate, and we'll strike it from the record. So how do, <laughs> how do you spend your days now? I would imagine you have two sons killing the game, one just a huge performance in the juniors, and then your son Matthew playing up in Calgary. Brady in the juniors, Matthew in Calgary. Well, we're, we're pretty busy. I mean, I mean, during the fall and, you know, when the hockey season starts up, you know, we had... Three kids uh, playing three different sports, going in three different directions. Your daughter is so, a star she, field hockey player. She plays at Villa. And so we spend a lot of time with her. And then plus I'm traveling on weekends. We got late games up in Calgary with Matthew. And Brady plays on weekends. So one of us is always with some one of the kids. You know, it's, it's obviously tough being up in Calgary. I can only go there once a year. But my wife's been up there a couple times. 
try to get back in Boston to see Brady. Obviously, my daughter's playing in town. We get to see her whenever we like. She plays during the week, which is great. And you know, I'm doing stuff with the Blues, uh, free agency. So it, it's a busy house. We're never really five of us are ever together anymore. Yeah. I don't think we have been since probably been over a year. So yeah, I guess I was going to say like the, the holidays. Summer, the holidays were busy. Maybe over the summer, we we were all five of us were together at one point. So where do you go, Mathis Vineyard? Well, uh, C- Cape Cod, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got, I, got, I got one out of here. <laughs> so when you go up to Calgary and you're with Matthews, it just is it just father and son, one Hall of Famer, one 20 year old well, NHL future star. What do we got going on? Well, it's usually just uh, him and I because we both can't be up there because of our daughter here. So I went up there right before Christmas, caught four games. Um, you know, one of them was against the Blues. Um, so we had we had a good time, and you know, he's uh. High maintenance, got to cook for him, got to clean for him. I pay for everything. I mean, he's the one who's making way more money than I am right now. <laughs> so you were telling me that, what, you were st- did you stay in his place? Is that what yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah, I stayed in his so place. What, so what happened one evening? Because this is this, okay, this the fascinating. One, the this one, is a peek behind the world of the NHL or now in 2018. It's a big difference between him and I when, <laughs> when I was younger, and we won't get into that, but you can probably just. Yeah, your part you can guess. Put, put two and part. two together. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, well, you know, taking my uh, eighth bathroom break from sleeping in my bed, and I get up, I don't know, what it was about twelve thirty, one in the morning. <laughs> you were already on eight on, at that point. Yeah, I was on seven or eight, yeah. And so I uh, I just, the look, and his light's on, his door's closed. I'm like, what the heck is this kid doing? I go in there, he's got the headphones on, playing the old Xbox. Uh, what is it? The, the, what are they playing, Call of Duty? Call, is that du- Call of Duty. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, what? <laughs> You got a game tomorrow. Let's get her going here. Go to bed. Get your rest. Who are you playing with? Ah, Troy Brower. Troy Brower. Uh, Mike Smith. Uh, these guys are like eight years younger than me. They have kids. I go, why are you guys playing so late? But well, they couldn't play till they put their kids to bed. So I'm like, Jesus. I go, that's the difference between him and I. I would have probably been out having a good time. But at least he's indoors, you know, got a good meal, and he's just resting. But I just can't believe the new NHL nowadays. It's I guess it's Xbox. And they talk to each other. It's not like you're not with each other every day. You're in the same locker room. You spend hours and hours, but you got to still talk to them when you're playing. I don't <laughs> you, get you it. You couldn't have been more. You're probably more disappointed in Brower, though. Than your son. <laughs> like you're like, what is he? Thirty five or something? Thirty like something <laughs> years old playing Xbox. Give me a break, guys. <laughs> His kids go to bed. And he runs and and puts on the headphones yeah. to play with your twenty year old. My twenty year old son. Like people like that get in trouble online. <laughs> <laughs> so Matthew's up in Calgary. When you watch your son playing in the NHL, what what is the emotion? I, are you like? I would. Because I remember watching my sister play, and she won a state championship in soccer in high school, and I'd be so nervous. And that's high school, and it's my sister. This yeah. is your son playing in the NHL. Are yeah, you crazy you know nervous? What? At first, we were very, very nervous. You know, obviously, you want to see him do well. You want to see him succeed. And, you know, um, but you know what? Settled in. It's, it's, we're starting to enjoy it now. And, you know, he's a, he's a grown man now, I guess, uh, except for playing Xbox. But <laughs> but he goes, I mean, we're happy for him. He, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. But, yeah, we still get a little nervous, you know, but not like it was last season, his mm. first year or his first couple games. What are the nerves that he's going to succeed? Well, you don't want to see him but, fail. You just yeah. don't want to see your kid fail. You want to see him do well. You want to see him, you know fulfill his dreams and, and have fun doing it. So, so far, so good. Yeah. And then, then your your other son, Brady, I mean, he was already on the map for people who follow the game, but to do what he did at the juniors, now he's kind of mainstream hockey hockey lexicon. Yeah. You know what? Now, speaking of nerves, that was terrifying. And like why that, is that different? Because it was, you want to see them do so well. 
You know, Play every uh, country. You know, it's such a huge tournament for these kids. The best amateur tournament for hockey in the world, and they all come together, and it's the best players playing against the best players. And then when you start getting into it. You know, every game is so important. Then you get to the elimination games. And, I mean, I couldn't even sit with my wife. I had to sit somewhere else because, and for many reasons, because I might say, oh, man, let's get her going here, Bray. Pick it up. And then she gets mad at me and tells me to be quiet. Then she makes me leave and stuff. So, But, no, that was tough. But it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great tournament. I thought he played well. You know, his team, uh, they had a, just a tough time against uh, in the in the most important game, the, the semifinal game. But you know they still came away with a bronze medal. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're watching your kids perform when they're I don't know when when you would even be able to start like 10, 11 years old, are you able to tell? Wow, you know this kid's got this kid's got the potential. Well, when you're younger, you you can't. You know, there you know there's a lot of good players and and were they clearly the best? At that no, time? no, 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 not at all. I mean, there was other great players. There was kids who were bigger at that time who maybe developed a little bit physically quicker than them. Uh, but you know, as they got older, they got better. They kept improving. They put a lot of work into it. Um, they did a lot of extra, and then then obviously you know they played AAA Blues, and um, we've had some good teams there, oh, yeah. and they did really well. We used to travel a lot with. You know, either the 97s or the 98s or the 99s and do pretty well. And we had, uh, and then they, they both uh, had an opportunity to make the uh, U.S. national development team, you know, and that's the top birth years in the country. Once they got there, you kind of figure out they, they have a good chance of playing college or junior and then maybe have an opportunity. So as they got older, they got better. They, they put a lot of work into it and, and, you know, we're here right now. When you were playing and you were at that level, even the young age, were you. Head and shoulders above everybody back in Boston then, growing yeah, up. Back then, probably yeah, because I was a lot bigger. But they were. They, it just wasn't the same like it is now. I mean, hockey's grown so much around the United States uh, because of cities like St. Louis having teams yeah. and having a lot of guys stay back here and put a lot of work into the hockey program. You know, Dallas, California. I mean, Florida. You look in all these places around the U.S. Uh, Illinois is a great spot. You know, Wisconsin. So you get a lot of good uh, hockey markets now compared to when I played. When I played, it was Massachusetts, Minnesota, Michigan. That was it. That's where the players yeah. came out of. Now you get kids from New York. You get kids from all over. You get kids uh, from Carolina, North Carolina. I mean, it's all over the place. It's, it's great to see. Phoenix, Arizona, number one pick. Austin Matthews uh, was born in yeah. Scottsdale. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. You know, yeah. grew up in Scottsdale. So, I think one of the reasons, and I think it was you who said this, it might have been Chase, but I thought it was a really eye-opening comment, that one of the reasons why we've seen this influx of talent in St. Louis, not influx, just people growing up here and succeeding, is because of the Blues alumni. And then to take it to another level with youth sports, whereas if you just had like me coaching a Little League team, people are like, screw him, what does he know? But when it's a guy who played in the league, the parents kind of go, I'm not going to walk up to you know, Al McInnes and tell him he doesn't know what he's doing and then he's got to play my kid more. And so they're actually able to learn the game from the coaches and the parents stay out of it. Do you think there's something? I would would say 80% of that's really true uh, because, you know, you you get people who are, I don't think people realize it till it's kind of over and they're like, holy cow, yeah. But you get your typical parents that aren't happy all the time, no matter who the coach is. They don't care if it's Wayne Gretzky or not. They'll, They'll get pissed off. So, but I think you look back did you deal with it? Yeah, there's always people upset, but there's a lot Somebody of people. Somebody came up to you and gave you, gave well, you no, they don't give it. They usually jab you behind your back, but whatever. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, like when it's all said and done, people look back and they say, you know, and then people have said that to me. We didn't realize how good we had it. Yeah. We didn't, they didn't look at you as, you know, Keith Chuck, the hockey player, as Matthew's dad. So 
it was a lot of fun. I miss those hockey teams, though. I really do. Even I, when had, your kids were, yeah, we had some great. We had a great group of parents for both Matthew and Brady's teams, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Met a lot of people, and uh, a lot of those kids are still playing. Yeah. Uh, might not be the NHL, but it's college. Some in the NHL, some are still playing junior, so it's a lot of fun still tracking these kids. Taking you back to your time coming up. So you're growing up in Boston. How big was the game for you and your friends? Was it huge? Did you have everybody have the picture of uh, Bobby Orr yeah, and everybody it, worship? It was a little bit before us, but everybody loved. I mean, it was a great sports town. You had uh, the Bees were, were great. Um, the Red Sox weren't really the Red Sox back then like it is now. Yeah. I guess you had uh, the same with the Patriots, but everybody loves. Yeah, I mean, but it was a like a Larry Bird town. Yeah, that was yeah, a Larry Bird yeah. town. I mean, I love. Were you Larry a big Bird. Celtics? Love Larry Bird. I love the Celtics. I love watching them. I mean, that was fun. Those were the days that were fun to watch. You yeah. know, those Celtics teams: Celtics Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. You know, Dennis I was Johnson. A Lakers fan. Hated the Lakers. <laughs> Hated the Lakers. It seemed like every other year, either the Lakers would win. Or the Celtics win, then you'd mix in a Houston Rockets or something. Maybe I was the only Irish Catholic white kid in South St. Louis with a Lakers jersey. <laughs> I still don't know what the hell that was about. I just know I was. <laughs> uh, I thought you were a gangbanger there, but <laughs> now those are fun. But it, hockey was big. I mean, Boston Bruins were huge. Yeah. Blue collar town. Um, Is that why you got into the game? I mean, or did you, how'd, yeah, you, how'd you just find the, the game? Bruins. My parents, my yeah. mom, my mom. You know, her family loved. hockey, and I don't know. That's how we got going. Yeah. And then as, as things proceed, you find yourself. The Olympics '92. Yep, and and what like a week after you make your NHL debut with the the yeah the Jets? Right when I, I signed uh, before the Olympics because I, at that point I wasn't going to go back to school. I was ready to make the jump and didn't tell like the U.S. team because they still had to make cuts. I didn't want to get cut, you know. So made the Olympic team. They announced I signed, played that tournament. Right when we got knocked out, flew home the next that same night. We got home. I flew right back out to Winnipeg and played a couple days later. Wow. Yeah, it was fun. I had my honestly, my parents had to give me like two thousand bucks just to go live because I had no money. I didn't. There weren't multi million dollar signing bonuses at that. Well, time? no, I got a good signing bonus, but you don't like. I, had, I didn't have a bank account back then. I just <laughs> I had to go set everything up. I had no money, so they gave me a couple. I had no clothes, like nice clothes. How'd you afford your Xbox for Call of Duty then? No, I didn't do that stuff. <laughs> so you're playing in Winnipeg. What was it like playing in Winnipeg? Because I saw. I don't know. I don't know if you are you on Twitter. Yes, I am. Are you? Yeah, I don't know what my Twitter thing is. Okay, my so kids, you're not I'm an active participant. But no, I, I read it a lot. I don't okay. like tweet things, but I, like I follow. Got it. I don't know what it is, though. I, I'll look at it. I don't know how it is. I don't know. But the point is that I saw Pang this morning tweeting something. I guess it was the head coach of the Jets. I'm not sure. Did you see this? Where, it was 2020. Guess, the, uh, Sorry. Who's really walking by there? 2020 Martin Kilcoin. Oh, look at Martin Kilcoin. Yeah. What's 2020 mean? Well, I, he, he, I call him 2020 because... What, is he going to run for president No, he was a basketball player in high school, I guess, JV. Um, <laughs> now I know that you noted the JV part. That yeah, seemed like that was an important... JV, senior year. Uh, <laughs> so the reason why I call him 2020 is because the only way he got into the game was his team was up by 20 or down by 20. <laughs> That's a good nickname. I might be hijacking that. Oh, what the hell was I asking? Oh, yeah, Pang tweeted. I thought this was good. Somebody, I guess the Sharks were bitching about going up and having to play in Winnipeg. And I don't know where you know where the hell that came from. And the coach is like, you know, when it gets down to it, we're playing in the NHL. We're all pretty lucky to be here. You know, maybe the hotel doesn't have enough high thread count for you. Your Frappuccino isn't made properly. But we're playing in the NHL. You know, maybe let's keep our eye on the ball. But I picture that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I've never been to Winnipeg. But, you know, you start your career in Winnipeg. You're coming from Boston. You're playing in the Olympics. What was that? 
experience like for the first, what, four or five years of your career? Yeah, right? first of all, that's offensive to the people in Winnipeg that those spoiled brats would say that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But that's the NHL nowadays is players have all the power, but um, and they get treated like kings. So that kid or whoever that – I don't care who it was, they're out of line. When I got to Winnipeg, I didn't know where it was. But I couldn't wait to get off the plane and play, and I absolutely loved it there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is it cold? Yeah. There's a lot of cold places. But I got to play in the NHL. I'm 19 years old, just about to turn 20. I'm finally going to get paid to play the game I love to play. I mean, what could be better than this? Mm-hmm. And I had a blast. We had a close team up there. It's a small town, uh, passionate fans. But I, I, I couldn't believe it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, I was on my own for the first time ever. I was just thrown into the fire. Hope you're enjoying this interview with Keith Walter Kachuk as we talk it on over. And if you are enjoying all of our interviews here on the Tim McKernan Show, please make sure that you support our sponsors. And James Carlton, this James Carlton agency has been with us from the very beginning. Before the thing even hit the air or whatever it hits in a podcast, James Carlton has been with us. So everybody needs insurance. The good news is you probably already have the product that James offers. The bad news is... If you're not with James, you're without questions, sacrificing service, and likely paying too much. I have visited James' office. I have seen the staff he employs, and there is a reason why he has a large staff, to make sure that the service is second to none. Ask yourself this question. What's my insurance company doing for me? Then go check them out on Google and Facebook and see what they're doing for others in your community. James Carlton will take care of you, and you will see it with the reviews his company gets As I've said from the beginning, I have no idea how people could get that fired up about an insurance review that they leave these kinds of reviews for them, but that is why there is a difference between James Carlton and everybody else, because the service is so good. 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800. It's James Carlton. Go to carltoninsurance.net right now. Check it out for yourself. Just get a quote to see what kind of money you could save. It's James Carlton. James Carlton, State Farm insurance agency. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. You experienced what a lot of people in St. Louis, we still talk about, even though it's been a couple years now, the Rams moving from St. Louis to LA. You were part of one of those situations with the Jets moving from Winnipeg to Phoenix. Now they're back there, but that's not the original franchise. They're in Phoenix now. What was that process like as a player when you're dealing with the noise regarding, because it impacted you because you signed an offer sheet with the Blackhawks, right? And then Winnipeg matched it right. like a day later. So, yeah, it's it's hard because it was easy for me because I was young, so I can make that transition. Uh, I felt bad for the Winnipeg people. Um, but everything happened so fast. I mean, you're basically there. You're, you're, they got sold to Arizona. You leave, and now it's, you got to start things over. You got to... You have to find a place. Uh, luckily, I mean, these other guys who had kids, they got to do a lot more than yeah. what I had to do. But now, as a, as a player, you have to get down there. You have to sell it. You have to be – you're constantly doing stuff to, to promote the team, promote season tickets, to do all this stuff. And once you get settled in, it took me about a, a full year to get things going. And um, But, you know, obviously the weather was great in uh, Arizona. The fans were really good at the America West Arena, which wasn't really built for hockey. Um, that's in downtown, downtown Phoenix, right? Phoenix, but they play, a, they play in Glendale now. Yeah. Well, when I was there, we, I wasn't in Glendale. I played four and a half years in, um, Phoenix, all downtown. Right. It was great. We had good crowds. We had successful teams. And then a couple of years after that, I think they moved to Glendale, which was probably the biggest mistake they could have ever made. It's so far yeah, away. It really is. And for people to travel there two or three times a week, it's too difficult. If they had it in downtown Phoenix again, 
I just don't understand how they don't do that. Or even Scottsdale or yeah, around Scottsdale. ASU. But I think it'd be better downtown. You can get more people and it can be like the old Coyotes days, which were a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you guys had a series against the Blues, 99. Classic. Yep. I mean, from the St. Louis perspective, yeah. you, of course, were on the other end of it. Take me back to that series, because if I'm not mistaken, what, like, was it double overtime, one nothing or something like yeah, that, game I, seven? I, I feel it was double or just overtime, but we, we had a three games to one lead against a really good team, um, and we were, we were like, uh, hurting that, um, that um, series. We had a lot of guys out, but we managed to get a 3-1 lead, had opportunities. I think we lost uh, game five in St. Louis in overtime, Scotty Young, um, beat us uh, we had to lead you know al i think al tied it up late um but we had a lead and uh they scored late to tie it up then scotty young won in overtime then the game six we came back here we had nothing we got blown out go back to game seven obviously great goaltending by happy Bullen and grant fior and and it was zero zero and then they i think uh pierre trujan scored in overtime yeah, it was tough Trujan. it was tough because they had a great team. They really did. I mean, for us to have a three games to one lead, we, we should have put them away. We didn't, and you know, they moved on and played Dallas after that. And then Dallas goes on to win the cup with yeah. uh, with Brad Hall. At that point, was that the toughest that you can recall in your career? At that point, you're seven, eight years in to to be up three one. Well, the toughest was I think when we were up three games to one against Vancouver in oh three in oh three, and that was the year. I think that was the year to really. Make way because a lot of the good teams got, knocked, got knocked out. out. And the Wings and the Avalanche got knocked out in the first and round. And game seven of that series, we ran into about five or six key guys that were really, really sick. And that was tough. Were you sick for that one? Uh, no, I just was sick, sick, bad player that game. That's all. <laughs> I remember that. There was one. a lot of guys. You know, everybody you, got you weren't sick. feeling good. You weren't feeling good, but everybody got sick. And then I think Al got hurt that series. Yes, he did. Like a shoulder. And um, and I don't think we had prongs either. Or did we? Pronger got hurt in the Red Wings series in 02. 02, so no, we had him, but yeah. we had uh, Al got absolutely demolished by that. Bertuzzi. So that was hard, but. And everybody, know. it's funny that, because I, cause where I'm going to go next is, is the 01 team that was in the Western Conference Finals when you got traded here. But when I asked guys who were on those teams, and I would think they would talk about 01, and almost all of them talk about 03. Yeah, I mean, 01 was a great run, too. That was great. I mean, we just. You know, we had an opportunity with Forsberg being out with the, I think they... Appendicitis. Yeah, is that like. what it was. And, um, you know, it just, I don't know, it just, it just was, it was so close, you know. And That's the thing. It was a five-game series, but I think four of the five oh, were overtime. Yeah, there were a lot of them were overtime. And, um, you know, that could have went either way. And, you know, we took a penalty in overtime in that game five. And, and then Sackick. Know, Sackick, I mean, he's money. But, you know, they had Patrick Waugh. You know, we gave up a couple that we should have got back. But it was one of those series that could have went either way, too. But it was, it was Patrick Waugh against Roman Turk. Yeah. And then they had him gassed Roman and brought in Brent Johnson for game five. That's right. I saw Quenville, I remember, at the Pepsi Center before the game. And I said, who's going to be in goal tonight? Because there were rumblings. Yeah. And he goes, the guy who was in there last game will be in there tonight. They and, both play last game? And they both, and for like, Two minutes, he yanked Turek and put uh, Johnson in. And so I'm like, ah, that's an out because he didn't want to just blatantly lie. Yeah. And he actually apologized about that after the game. I'm like, man, I mean, you got to do what you got to do if you feel like yeah. you don't want to show your cards. It was a hell of a game, a hell yeah. of a series. But it's funny that a lot of guys, now 2 you guys run into that Red Wings team, and that Red Wings yeah. team was just like, Hulse says there's going to be like, when it's all said and done, like 16 Hall of Famers on that. Yeah, that was I a mean, good team. I mean, my God. But Pronger gets hurt, I think, in like game 
two or something like that. Was that in the first round or second round? Was it first? Uh, you guys beat the Blackhawks in first five yeah, and then, then ran into the Red yeah. Wings. Yeah. Uh, but the 03 is the team that everybody talks about. And that's that that team was up three to one. Yeah. And that one bothers like anybody who was on that team. Yeah. Like, that was the team. Yeah. We kind of blew that one. You know, it's just one of those things. Vancouver was a tough team back then. It was yeah. a tough building to win in. So. That was hard to swallow. And then, then in 04, I always, I always wondered about this. Because now you see what Joel Quenville's been able to do. But 04 is the year he gets let go. And I think you've said it. I think Chase has said it. That the best coach you've played for, I yeah. the words you is Joel Quenville. Absolutely, he is. But I he mean, gets let go. So what? Yeah. what's going And everybody kind of thought it was going to happen. You guys still go into the playoffs. Yeah. You have kids coaching you, but you lose to the Sharks, kind of like a nondescript five-game loss. Yeah. What happened with Quenville? And, and well, I think he was here a long time. and I guess know, at that point, like nine years maybe? Yeah, and he's, he's I mean, he's such a smart coach, a player's coach, a guy that, you know, you have to have some bench sense when you're on the when you're when you're running a bench. You have to have an ability to see who's going and who's not going, ability to make changes. And that's what made him really good. He could see who was going. He could see things how they develop, and he would make line changes, and he would make you know different personnel changes. And that was what makes him so successful. So that was tough to see him go, but I mean, obviously he's done a great job since. Yeah. What are you guys thinking when a guy like that gets whacked? What's that like in the it, room? It sucks. I mean, because at, at the end of the day, it comes down to the player is not performing well, and you know they're not going to, especially nowadays. Players aren't going to get traded. Players make too much money. The guy that's going to go is the coach and the GM. Right. That's the way it goes. Yeah. So that's pre-lockout. I mean, <laughs> the world then changes, not just for the game, but for the Blues. Yeah. And you're a part of that. The rebuild, the come grow with us yeah. era. <laughs> come grow with us. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? I mean, you go, from, you go from, you know, seven yeah. games of the Blues in, in Phoenix and then, you know, playing in the Western Conference Finals and playing yeah. the Wings in 02 and yeah. Canucks in 03. Yeah, and then to, yeah, go to that way was tough. It was tough. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you got to deal with it and eventually you get traded and you get picks and, you know, that's the way it goes. It's tough. I mean, a lot of people are sour around here. You have to trade Pronger and and then you have to start all over again. And it takes a while to get back. What do you guys think on the Pronger trade thing? I well, really... I like Eric Brewer. He's a good friend of mine. Um, I, lo- I love playing with Eric. Chris Pronger is a special talent. You know, I don't know what happened there. Nobody knows why they traded him. Um whether it was shedding money or maybe he did, I don't know. But you don't trade a great player like that in his prime uh, for anything, you know. He logged so many minutes, and he's gone on to have a great career, a Hall of Fame career, and he was one of the best guys I've ever played with. Oh seven, you get traded. What was that moment like deciding and the whole process was going to the Atlanta Thrashers, yeah, for the record? I, I knew I knew it was going to happen. I was just waiting for it, and then I remember in Chicago. I didn't get a heads up either, but I knew it was going to happen. I just wasn't expecting Atlanta. But I remember being in Chicago. We're playing, I don't know, maybe we have a Sunday afternoon game. It was Saturday night, and I got a phone call from Andy Murray around, I don't know, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night or something, or maybe 10 30 at night. And uh, just said, hey, can I come down? What room are you in? And I said, I know, you know what room I'm in. Just come down. You know? <laughs> they, they have the list. And he told me, he goes, we got a deal for you for Atlanta. Larry, you got to call Larry right now. And and I was thinking, shit, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can say whatever you want. No, it's free for all the podcast. You know, not that I, I love my time in Atlanta, but, you know, I'm, I was thinking more of a Detroit or somewhere like that. But that was the best deal they could get. And I liked Larry and I thought about it. I had to tell, call my wife that night and call my agent. And then they said, you know, let the GM know at the time 
in Atlanta tomorrow, give him a call, whether you're going to do it or not. So I said, I thought about it, and, you know, I'm... Well, what are you weighing at that point? I, right? I don't know. I, I could say no because, you know, maybe put the gun to St. Louis and right. say no, go get me another deal. But I like Larry. Um, you know, St. Louis Blues are a big part of my life, a big part of my kid's life, and I love the city. Um, and I felt like... You know, I wanted to go play in the playoffs, so I said, you know, if they're going to get that many picks, I think it's good for me to go play in Atlanta, and it's also great for St. Louis to start their rebuilding process. So I accepted. Next day, I just they brought my equipment back from the rink and hopped on a flight and went to Atlanta. And there, oh, actually, I met them in Boston. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, you're your hometown. Yeah. You're back there. Yeah, but only there for a couple months. Yeah, and then uh, in the back of your mind, you think when you're accepting the trade, there's a good chance you'll come back to St. Louis. I, I really didn't think that uh, because I wanted to focus on playing, and whatever happens after that happens. I mean, and then then at the last second, uh, about I don't know when it was, maybe a week before free agency or a couple days before free agency. I don't know when it was, but they traded my rights back, which I think would be illegal now. I don't think they can ever get away <laughs> with that. So, and then we started negotiation on a contract and right down to the wire and then signed and that was it. Yeah. So you're still, then you're back in the come grow with us. Come grow with and us. We're, but, but there's some progress. And around here, we took for granted that the Blues were going to be in the playoffs every year. Yep. It just was, it was a rite of passage. Well, what was it? 25 years in a row? Yeah. Like I mean, it was every year. Yeah. The thing that sucked was that, unfortunately, it would usually be before they'd get to the conference finals, minus 86 yeah. against the Flames and 01 against the Avalanche. And then, without being in the playoffs every year, it became a huge deal in 09 when you guys start making your charge yeah. and you get in there. And I was at that game on Friday night where you clinched a playoff spot and it was like, oh, it was like winning a series. Yeah, Put I remember place that. Batch it, yeah. man. It was super cool to have that young team now get there, you know? And he had to surge, I think, in order to get in, too. So yeah, we, we, we made an unbelievable run. Right. I think with uh, Chris Mason was our goal. Yeah. We made a run, you know, and... You know, guys played hard, and we a lot of a lot of luck went our way, but we found a way to get in. And you know, um, once again, I think we ran into Vancouver, who mm-hmm. had a great team, really good team. And I think all those games are pretty. If I remember correctly, I they're think pretty game close. Four of the sweep was, that was an overtime. overtime. Yeah, but I think the other games are pretty fairly close. Yeah. I can't remember, but you know, we had a young young team, um, and I don't think Paul Korea was playing either. He got hurt, so. Um, yeah, I don't think he played that series. I, I remember, for whatever reason, I was there, and I think it was one of the Sedins who scored the game winning there celebrating right in front of us. And for whatever reason, I remember seeing you, and you skated off right away, and I felt like you were really pissed. Now, I'm I'm reading this, and I'm recalling something from nine years ago, but I was wondering, you know, what's going through. I mean, first, if you're not happy to lose, but it's wow. like we, did, we didn't— show what we were capable yeah, of and it sucks it was, that we got it was anytime you get swept it sucks so you want to i mean it was it was disappointing but we had a great run that year and a lot of guys learned a lot of valuable lessons younger guys um but you know it was tough you lose you and i think some of those games were pretty close you know mm-hmm. even though it was a four game sweep you wanted to make a could have we could have you know if you just drag it out a little bit longer you never know what could happen when you're, i think it was the one eight seed is that what it was or two seven y- yeah it, well, yeah, it certainly was one, one or the eight, other. Two, yeah, seven or something I, guess, like I think you guys might have passed somebody with the like on the last day of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Then I got one matched up with Vancouver. Um, but then, so 2010, your final season. And when did you get hit with the? That was sometime in January, I think, of 2010. Yeah. So you're in your you're, you're you've basically My basically last, yeah. escaped nearly two decades in the NHL without. Yeah. 
and then three months before it's coming to an end, yeah. T.J. Oshie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got. So, so give me, give me the. Give, what, what do you recall from well, that? Well, all I know is I was in the front face. of the net. It was late in the game. We weren't playing good, and Osh was looked like he was going to take a shot, but somebody was in my way, so I couldn't see. So I, I did the old look over the pass the guy, and the puck must have been deflected. And all of a sudden, all I remember is, like, it almost like felt like somebody hit you with a sledgehammer. Oh. That's all I remember. And then I, I like, I blacked out for like two seconds. And then I try to get up, and I guess, and the, the the linesman Derek Mel, I guess, dragged me all the way off, and they found my mole piece, and it still had three of my teeth in it. It, it Oshie shot put a hole through my. I was wearing a mouthpiece too, put a put a hole through my mouthpiece, and was two or three teeth still in there, and so I knocked out five teeth that night, and uh, I shattered my whole upper lip here, like your bone came right off. And then I had, after that, I just had surgery after surgery. I probably had about three surgeries. And it took about over two years to finally get everything all said and done. It was the worst two years of my life. Really? Yeah, it was just because you're constantly at the root canals. You're at the dentist. And, you know, you're seeing these other guys, the plastic surgeon. You know, I got bone out of my hip. And then they packed it all in to make my new bone up here. And then my hip was killing, and this was killing. It was just, it was painful. And then you look like a hillbilly. <laughs> you look like Iggy, you know. <laughs> you didn't have the flowing locks that he has going right now. I don't know. Is that a goldish type here? It's not really blonde. It's like a goldish. He looks like he's out in looks Malibu like somebody surfing. took a piss on his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how does Oshi feel in this? Was he like apologizing? Oh, he, felt stuff? Te- he felt yeah. terrible. But there's nothing you can do. It was deflected. Right. I said, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, it could have happened to anybody. It's it's okay. I'm fine with it. You did you know you were retiring at that point in a few months, or were you well, after still that? Here? After that, you know, as it got after that, it was just I knew the writing was on the wall. I mean, my my play. I was 38 years old, and that was a long time to play until you're 38. Yeah. And um, I just, you know, we had new management coming in. Doug was coming in. Um, you know, I just felt like I think I could have played if I put, you know more work into it and and but I that means I would have had to play somewhere else cuz I knew I wasn't going to come back here. They wanted younger players to play and I understand that. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not stupid and I'm plus I'm not going to hang on to be one of these guys that is in and out of lineup and when it's time to go it's time to go. Yeah. I don't care how much money. It's time to go. So I just said screw it. Is that I, a t- is that a tough what was that cuz you see guys when they finally well, have to like and then like they're like I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry and then they get oh, to the podium. I, I, yeah, I cried. I yeah. mean, I cried when, like, um, like I, I could see it happen. I talked to Chantel, and I finally called my agent. I said, you know, I'm going to tell Larry and, you know, uh, John Davidson today on the road that I'm going to retire. My last game will be, my last home game will be against, I don't know who we played, Anaheim. And uh, I went up, I told Larry and JD, and, you know, and then they made me tell the coach, Davis Payne. And when we got to the game, I wasn't playing in Chicago because I hurt my foot. So, um I went in, John and Larry wanted me to talk to all the team, and I, I, I was ready to tell them, like, Jax was there, Brew, Daryl Sador, and I just broke down and said, you know, I'm, this is my last year. I'm mm-hmm. announcing my retirement tonight during the game, and my la- my next home game will be my last game ever. What's the reaction from your team? Guys are great. Guys were great. Guys were great. They were. I mean, it was fun. I mean, I've been with Barry Jackman for a long time. Yeah, it goes back to 0 so, 
you know, it was good. It was good. But, you know, it's tough to do that. But I felt it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So you retire. And I and we were, it's something that the average person can't relate to because they're like, oh, my God, how great would it be to be 38, be set for life, and just be able to hang out? It's harder than that because you love to play the sport. You know, this is the only thing I knew. I was a hockey player. And when you when you can't do that anymore, it's tough. I mean, it's a great life. You travel, which sometimes can be tough when you get older, but you're traveling to great cities. You're playing a hockey game. There's fifteen to 20,000 people coming to watch you every night. Sport, it's a great sport. I mean, they, you get treated like gold. And, uh, you know, when that's taken away, it's humbling. Yeah. But, you know... It, everything comes to an, every good thing comes to an end. I've always people ask me, I don't know why, but they'll go, well, "Who are the easiest guys to deal with?" And I go, "Oh my God, it's a hockey player. It's not even close." Why do you think that is? I mean, I rarely well, I think... have encountered a prick playing. <coughs> well, in the... there's always some. Well, around, I know, but, but yeah, I hear but comparatively you, 90%... speaking, like when I covered the NFL, some guys Major League Baseball. Yeah. I haven't covered much NBA. You know, the guys in the locker room are good. You know, if you see a guy that's a spoiled brat, you know, you'll you'll give him shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't. I mean, we all brought up the same way. Blue collar kids and, you know, parents worked hard and gave us, you know, taught us the, the right values. And, you know, you got to treat people really nice and you got to treat people, people good. And, you know, if I was in a locker room, if I seen a kid acting like an idiot I or somebody, I'd tell him, yeah. like, sharpen up. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah, they're easy to deal with. They're good guys. So really when you good. see the Blues kind of go on their run and, you know, a bunch of postseason appearances, and those were a lot of the guys who you kind of helped. You weren't a part of the team yeah. anymore, but you kind of helped bring up in 2012 when they win the first playoff series since God, I think, since you guys beat the Blackhawks yeah. in 2002. Yeah, and then I mean, kind of going these there, runs. Yeah. Osh was there, Berge, you know, we had, we had a good group of guys. I don't yeah. know if it was Petro. Petro was there, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, some of the core is still around, so that's good. I just, you know, boys are going through a tough time right now, yeah, so hopefully they can rough. turn this around. But you're doing, you're working for the Blues. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and people might not be aware of that. So on the weekends, you're flying to college. Yeah, I'm doing, yeah, Minnesota, Michigan, or Boston, wherever they need me to go. And um, I was at the World Juniors with our amateur side. We have our meetings going on right now, our amateurs, and then our pros are going in in a couple of days, and we'll do that. And it's kind of a mid-season, you know, re- you know, recap, see what we need to do, what's going to happen. And Doug will give us his, you know, State of the Union address and see where the team's at and then you leave there and you have a job to do and you go back and you do it. So it's good. I like it. You like doing it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I have fun. It's, yeah. it's nice to be involved and you know, it's, yeah, it's traveling every weekend. I don't. It's it. You know, it's it's hard because there's no college games in town, so I always have to be traveling. Now, if I lived in Minnesota, I could get to home games and stay there and then come home. But it is what it is. I love St. Louis. I'm not leaving. Built a house here. Um, and we love it here. So, but yeah, I haven't had a chance to come I, over and, I, and see it. I'll wait yeah, for the invite. Yeah, we'll wait. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. <laughs> see, see what you got. You're welcome to come over anytime. Here's something that really bothered Doug Vaughn, and it happened. I don't know if you heard this discussion. No. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Blues were in a spot where uh, the, they had called up a minor league goalie because of injury, but he wasn't able to get here in time. And so they had a spot where a guy who actually is a caller into our show 
was out there as the emergency backup. Yeah, and, I think every every city, every team right, has an emergency has backup. Yeah. And Doug can't believe that a guy who calls into our show is sitting there in the stands, and he might have to be out there, you know, taking <laughs> Tarasenko shots pregame. And he goes, couldn't, like, Bortuzzo, for example, do a better job? And he got an argument with Chase about this, and Chase is like, absolutely not. No. Bortuzzo isn't a goalie. A goalie knows how to play, even if he's, like, college or club goalie. Yeah, I mean, you got to do that so the kid was actually in warm-ups, right? Yes. He was taking shots? Yes. That's great. I think it's great. <laughs> but that happens. Every every NHL team has to have an emergency guy, and that's happened before. Yeah. Until the guy can get in. I mean, you better just hope that kid doesn't get in. You hope the guy, the backup, the guy who gets called <laughs> up gets in, or else if the starting goalie gets hurt, this kid's going I in. I know. But you what have a better, would that be like? You have a better chance with that than a, an uh, outskater, as Doug would say, put in the net. You can't do that. So if you were like, hey, Walt, we need you in the. We need you between the pipes. It'd be it easy to put Hitch in the net. I mean, <laughs> but no, no, you can't. You can't. You can't. You cannot do that. I, I don't care how athletic um, Alex Steen is. You put him in the net, he'll be all over the map. And he's probably the most athletic guy, right. you know. And you can't. You can't do that. So I would put Ray, I'd put Ray Borelli in. Ray Borelli, <laughs> Ray Borelli used to play goalie when we needed a goalie in practice. If if, if somebody was hurt, or we couldn't get anybody in there. Oh, yeah. He was the original furnace face. <laughs> he was the Ray, Ray Borelli would never go down. He would just stand up. Just stand up. It was awesome. It was awesome. We'll put him in instead of our caller. Our caller, Daddy what, Padre. What was it? His name's Daddy Padre. Why Daddy Padre? I, that's how he calls in. He go, <laughs> and so when I tell Doug, I go, Daddy Padre was on the ice for the Blues last night. He goes, no, we banned him from the how, show. I go, I know, but he was the backup goalie. How's this Take and Shake kid doing? Mike, Mike Lee, Lee, that's Mike your guy. Lee, yeah, how's he doing? Is he still calling in? Yes, every day. The Seamaster Fields is calls every still, day. Does he still He's go to Ozzy's house? Hold. He does. I don't know. He doesn't tell us. He goes to Ozzy or Mabry's house. And I, I think maybe a restraining order is kicked in and he isn't there as often. <laughs> the first time you were on the show, we took a call from him and you had no idea. And you go, who's this guy? Get him off the line. What is he drunk? I met, I met him at the game one time. Right? He was down the Blues game right. one time. Yeah. I think it was Mike Lee. Yeah. And then the Blues got him tickets one time, and now if Caruso doesn't get back to him with tickets, he like calls oh, him the show God. and rips Caruso's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Caruso's trying to do a nice deal, and now Mike Lee's holding him accountable if he doesn't get tickets. He's still calling? He, oh, you better, oh, my God, like 20 times a day, the Seamaster feels, Seamaster feels the calls <laughs> constantly. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the guy. So I, here's one I want to ask about, because I always thought that this was bullshit, but it happened, and we never really, really got into it. Now that it's in the rearview mirror, I want to get your thoughts. The Cardinals were playing the Sox in 2004. You go to the World Series game, you wear your Boston hat. Understandably so, but you caught all kinds of hell for it. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize it. I somewhat understand it, but at the end of the day, that was my team growing up, and I love the Red Sox. They never won before, and uh, oh, I got some serious abuse for that. And, uh, now, when you say abuse, like, like fan mail or actually yeah. like the organi- was the organization man no i mean like i mean i'm not trying to disrespect anybody i mean obviously it wasn't enjoyable for me to be down there because it just wasn't worth it and um, so like people like there were giving oh yeah shit? really yeah yeah and it was just, really? but, but that, it's not all st louis like st louis fans are are the nicest fans around it was just a few people it wasn't like like st louis you know you have all these people from out of town come in to play whatever sports against the any St. Louis team, and people always say the St. Louis fans are the nicest fans, the most enjoyable fans. They're 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 polite fans. There's only a few people, mm-hmm. you know. When you have a few dr- drinks and you, 
you, you know, a lot of bad things can happen. So were you so were you there for the clinching out, or did you have to like bowl? Yeah, I went there, but I didn't wear anything. I just yeah. wore whatever regular clothes, and yeah. and I mean, you know, whatever, it was fun. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. But I mean, God, at the time, I remember people calling. I'm like, I can't believe Keith Chuck trade him. I'm like, that's his dream. <laughs> like, what you? Well, I, my, I'm, I was born and raised in Boston. I don't think people realize that. Yeah, you know, and my parents were there too, and they wanted to see it, and you know, they waited. Oh, they're both 70 now back then. I don't know. It was, what was it, 14 years ago? Yeah, two, yeah, it'll be 14 years, man. Yeah, so it, it was, uh, you know, it is what it is, but whatever. Greatest greatest game you were ever a part of. Wow. I was trying to, th- I was going through my mental Rolodex on something. I'm like, God, I wonder what it would be. I mean, because you've had such, I mean, all fan career. So it's yeah, like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I played in the World Cup. That was great winning that. Um my last game here, my first game getting traded here, my first NHL game. There were so many great memories. Yeah. You know, um, I, I can't pick one. Yeah. It was, a, it was. Is there one that stands out as being the most difficult? Like where you're in the, the room afterwards going just like gutted, just like. Yeah. Absolute. I mean, there was a few when you, when you, when you don't win. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's tough. I mean, that, you know, that. I'm trying to think, you know, that old three series, you know, stuff like that. The old, yeah. excuse me, the old one series, um, you know, a great game was when we clinched the fourth game against Dallas at home, you know, seeing the reaction of the fans that after was, the game and going to, I think we went to Joe Bucks at the time for a restaurant and that place was mobbed. I mean, it was just stuff like that. That was awesome. Yeah. People believed this city. I mean, it is for as Cardinal oriented as the region is i truly think if you took a poll and said what would you rather see if you were given a choice a blue stanley cup or a cardinal world championship i really believe a yeah. blue stanley cup would win well it's much needed these fans are great it's a great place to live i mean i'm never leaving here um you know the hockey passion the stanley cup the fans the players the organization it needs it bad and i couldn't imagine what it would be like um to win it um you know, I don't know how many years it's been, but it, it's going to happen. It eventually will happen. And, uh, I hope it happens sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're talking 51, 52 years here yeah. of the franchise, and the people are so hungry. And, and you're feeling like, out of one, you guys were close, 16, losing uh, in the Western Conference Finals, and people are like, oh, my God, now you got to go back and yeah. just hope to get there. And it's such an odyssey. Well, you get in the playoffs, it's it's a good chance. Everybody's so matched evenly matched nowadays it's um you know is it hard to win you're not going to see any more dynasties like mm-hmm. you you won't see that i mean i know pittsburgh's won the last two years but everybody's anybody can win yeah. in this league nowadays the way the salary cap and where the teams the parity best player you ever played with i think it'd be tied al al mckinnis and chris pronger yeah god when you think back that was the pairing that just like logged so many minutes for so many years you want to talk about taking something yeah. for granted as fans holy crap i mean to have that you ever get hit by one of those shots? No, Al, Al knew where it was going. Al, but both guys, both guys knew where it was going. But Al can shoot the puck, man. He could shoot it. Yeah. Like, these kids nowadays can shoot it too, but they have no idea where it's going. He knew where it was going. Yeah. So now that now that you're doing what you're doing, your son's <laughs> playing, your daughter's playing field hockey. You're on the road to the Blues. Are you like? Do you have your like? Once they're in the NHL, are you like, okay, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna do that, or do you have a designs on perhaps doing something like in the front office? Would you ever want to do that type of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I, I, the one good thing is, is valuable is the I'm, you know, I did amateur for the last three years. Now I'm doing college free agency. Maybe in a couple of years I'll do something else, and hopefully I can keep learning and eventually, you know, be, you know, 
up there in management and helping out more and being more involved in the day-to-day and the team atmosphere. Absolutely. I yeah. would love to do that. And yet I can still go see my kids too uh, whenever I need to. Um, so that's a good flexibility about my schedule now. So we're busy. We're a busy family. We're always on the go. What if uh, Brady got picked by the Blues? Well, then he can live at home. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> then you can walk in on him with yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty. <laughs> You're punished. Let me take your phone away. You're done. <laughs> Dad, I'm 21 years old. I don't care. I'm taking your phone away. Well, Walter, I've enjoyed it. Now, the thanks a lot, hey. Hey, thanks a lot, hey. That's from Larry Plo. No, thanks a lot, hey. <laughs> That's from Larry hey. Plo. And I don't know what the hell caused it, but he was on with us. And I think you were listening. And and I think the interview got a little awkward. <laughs> I don't know what. He's probably trading pieces to random places. To, you know, Larry doing... probably didn't know where he was at that point. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, hey, hey. Thanks a lot, hey. So that's how you've been signing yeah. off interviews uh, anytime you come on the show. That's a signature. Now, calling me Dirtbag is, of course, a misnomer. There's no way you could possibly think. <laughs> I love that name, Dirtbag. <laughs> hey, Dirtbag, thanks a lot, eh? <laughs> well, we've appreciated you coming in. Thank you so much, man. Anytime, Dirtbag. <laughs> thanks a lot, eh? So there it is. Keith, Walt, Kachuk here on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, I love the inside, quote-unquote, baseball, except it's hockey, in uh, hearing all the stories from uh, Walt and his time with the Blues, whether it be just what had to be the most horrific damn thing ever, which is that puck sailing into his mouth just a few months before he retires off the stick of T.J. Oshie, uh, or the ins and outs of those playoff series. Uh, Not just the most recent one uh, that he experienced in 2009 with the the Blues getting swept by the Canucks after surging to get into the playoffs for the first time since 2004, but also going back to his his first playoff run with the Blues that, that ended in the Western Conference Finals against the Avalanche in 2001 and everything in between. His thoughts on Quenville, the coaches. But I think my favorite thing from the whole thing is Walt staying with his son up in Calgary and walking in on him, still up at night, thinking, oh God, what's going on with my son? Did he just get in? And instead, he's playing a video game uh, online with uh, Troy Brower. And, uh, and and Walter's reaction to that, because as uh, he made reference to when he was that age and living in Winnipeg and playing in the NHL, uh, they were certainly not playing video games. So while it might perturb him a bit that he's playing with a guy who's closer in age to him than his son and they're hanging out online together, as uh, Keith's wife pointed out, it's probably better of the two choices, him being out all night enjoying being a professional athlete or sitting in his uh, condo in Calgary and playing uh, video games, even if it is with uh, Troy Brower, who is, uh, I believe, 16 or 17 years his senior. But, hey, some people like things. Some people like other things. God bless him. Keith Kachuk, always entertaining and uh, super cool to sit down with him and just BS about his uh, NHL career and also what he's seeing with his children and how cool that is for him to experience as well. We want to thank our sponsors, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agency, Gateway, Buick, GMC, Triad Bank, and thehomeloanexpert.com. Without our sponsors, this podcast does not exist. So please make sure you support our sponsors. Thank you to Nick Yale, our videographer. Thank you to John Seymour, our executive producer. Thank you to you for listening, and thank you to Keith Kachuk for his time. For everyone involved in The Tim McKernan Show, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been yet another edition of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the homeloanexpert.com studios.